You're listening to Forecast, the marketing podcast for professional services leaders. If you're looking to generate more leads, win more deals, and take your firm to the next level, this show is your shortcut. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Ahmed Munawar. Got Jack Hackett on the show today to talk to you about how to make the leap from employee to consultant. Jack has a really fantastic program that teaches people that are stuck in some job, some career, some company that they don't want to be at, who have dreams of becoming consultants, who have dreams of going out on their own and calling the shots and building their own business as an independent consultant. She's got a fantastic course and program where she teaches people how to make that transition. And we're fortunate to have her here on the show today to talk to you about the same. So if you're listening to this and you're somebody who is currently employed, you're working a job, you're thinking about making that leap, becoming a consultant, this is definitely for you. But even if you're somebody who's earlier on in the journey, right, maybe you're not that seasoned yet, you're, you're kind of early on in the consulting journey, still kind of getting your bearings and learning from some of the early mistakes that are pretty common for people that start consulting businesses, then you're still going to get a lot out of this conversation that I had with Jack Hackett. Now, before I let you get to that, if you want to know the difference between a rich consultant and a poor consultant... There are three things that make the difference. Rich consultants are the folks who earn higher fees. They command the highest fee for their work. They command premium rates. They work with the best clients. They have the biggest impact on their clients and on their markets. And poor consultants struggle to get clients, struggle to charge premium fees, struggle to make an impact, struggle to get respect in the industry. And if you want to know the difference between rich consultants and poor consultants, I've boiled it down to three things. In all my experience coaching hundreds of consultants, I boil down the difference to three very simple things that you can install in your business as soon as you get your hands on this training. It's 30 minutes long. It'll walk you through the difference between a rich consultant and a poor consultant. If you want to grab access to that, you can go ahead and get it at forecast.fm slash rich. That's forecast.fm slash rich. With that, here is my fascinating conversation with Jack Hackett. Jack, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's a pleasure, Ahmad. Really good to be here. Really appreciate you waking up bright and early over there in Australia to to make it for the interview. <laughs> yeah, no, you're welcome. So why don't you get us started by telling us your quick backstory? Sure. So 18 years ago, that's how long I've been consulting, but 18 years ago, I was looking for my next career challenge. So I'd spent about a decade, perhaps a bit more, working in the public health sector in uh, Australia. So that kind of was a whole lot of different jobs, all in the health area. So I worked as a manager, I worked in community services, I worked in the bureaucracy and in you know the Department of Health, worked in education and health, had a whole lot of um, background but uh, in health for a decade. And I was just finishing up a job, uh, a fairly senior job at the health working on major system reform. And I was, it was a short-term uh, employment situation, and I was thinking, right, what is next for me? And in the, in the role I'd had just prior to this one, I'd actually contracted a consultant to come and do an evaluation for me of a statewide program I was uh, managing. 
And she did a fantastic job. She was a highly respected uh, consultant in the public health space. And we got on really well. And so kind of struck up a bit of a friendship after the project finished. And we'd catch up for coffee now and again, that kind of thing. And so at that time, uh, 18 years ago, when I was thinking about my next career move, Ruth and I met up and had a coffee. And I was talking you know, a few of my options through with her. And she said to me, well, have you thought about consulting? And honestly, up to that point, it had not crossed my mind at all. And my first, my initial reaction was, oh, no, no, that's really not for me. Um, but the minute she had put that seed into my head, I couldn't stop thinking about it. <laughs> so, you know, I was kind of really excited and really terrified at the same time about it. And, you know, a lot of self-talk about how I, this wasn't right. This wasn't a good move, you know. Um, a lot of negative self-talk really about, oh, you know, you're too young, you're not experienced enough, you haven't had senior enough positions behind you to do this. And and practically, you know, I was 41 years old. I had My kids were still in high school. I had a mortgage, had practically no savings to speak of. So there was a whole lot of things about why this was not a good move. But Ruth gave me a safe way in because what she said was, look, she'd been looking around for someone who she could coach, mentor into consulting, someone she could bring into some of her uh, larger projects where she needed a kind of junior consulting associate. And uh, she thought I might be that person. She's been looking to, for someone to mould into, you know, being a really good consultant. Now, she wasn't offering me an employment situation. I still needed to take the leap. I had to set up my own business and, you know, make that move. She would trap me in, though, to some of her, one of her, you know, major in the first instance. And also, she would mentor me into the world of consulting. And that was the deal we made. So that's what she was offering. And there was a financial component exchange with it. Um, and so I took the leap. Um, we struck an agreement and I just, uh, I, I stepped into consulting and I was terrified, but I have loved it. I've absolutely loved it. And 18 years later, so Ruth, we had that arrangement for a couple of years and and then we became consulting colleagues and, um, you know, I grew my own business from there. And, yeah, so that's what I, 18 years later um, I'm still consulting and it's been a fantastic career move for me. And also about maybe three years ago I took a kind of pivot in my business and as well as consulting myself, I now provide support and training and that kind of thing to other people who are making that transition in from employment into consulting. Excellent. So I'm curious, you know, I know this this was a big decision for you and it, it's clear that you thought it through. Do you remember the moment that you decided that you were going to do this? Yeah, I kind of do. I, I remember the feeling, Amahad. It was like this, you know, really a lot of anxiety, but that kind of excitement anxiety that goes with it. Uh, I think the safety net of having Ruth was the thing that really clinched it for me. It was like, oh, I think I can do this because I know she's going to get, you know, she had a project in mind that she'd just put a bid in for and, and you know, I was one of the junior on the team. And, and so, yeah, it just um, – it was a very exciting moment to consider doing it at the same time as I keep saying it was pretty scary. <laughs> yeah. 
And, and it sounds like in your previous role, like there was a lot of good things happening. You were, you know, you're clearly doing well. You were on your way to to more senior yeah. roles, the senior roles that you thought you had to occupy before becoming a consultant. You were on your way to exactly. occupying those roles. So I'm exactly. curious, what was it about consulting that made you kind of give all of that up and go down this different path? Well, you know, I kind of knew that you're absolutely right about that that turning point for me because I knew that I was ready to step up to another income bracket. But I knew that to do that, it, that involved stepping up to that, that next level of seniority. And I also, you know, could see that that was going to be um, – you know, it was going to be no work-life balance whatsoever, really. You know, the senior people who work in in the system are, you know, they work endlessly long hours and ton of responsibility. Kind of, I knew all that. I knew that's what I was stepping into if I went to this next higher bracket, income earning bracket, and seniority. And so, I just kind of felt like this was a better option, that I was going to have more control. As I said, my kids were still in high school. You know, I didn't want to just be never available to them. And and uh, I just really um, – and Ruth talked to me all about that, about, you know, this is – you'll get some balance here. So getting that kind of – A, the increase in the income that, you know, eventually I knew I was going to get with consulting – but be accompanying that with a bit more control and flexibility um, uh, was a big part of my decision. Yeah, and that's pretty typical, right? And if you ask people yeah. what they think consultants do, it's, well, they don't do a whole lot of work to make a lot of money, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it ain't quite like that at all, of course. But but in in, in on balance, it is, you know, I have really – uh, thrived as a consultant, but uh, both professionally and financially, and and in terms of work life balance. So I have managed to make that work. You know, I work really hard, but not as hard as I would if I was, you know, a deputy director general somewhere, or you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, not not the kind of hours that they're doing. Well, and like anything else, it was I'm sure more challenging in the beginning, but then when you got a hang of things and you had the right systems and processes in place, it became a little bit easier. But what I'd like to know, Jack, is what was the difference between what you thought consulting would be like and what it actually was like in those early days? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of um, hard to have, you know, concrete expectations because it is a real unknown. It's a really unknown world. And, and I do remember, um, I remember some of the things that I was really kind of surprised about and loved about it. Um, I, I kind of loved that the only things I had to work on were things around my projects. You know, and I hadn't kind of figured that out. Of course, that is how it is. But, you know, when you're an employee and your inbox is like endlessly full of everything to do with everything in the organization and you're endlessly attending meetings that are about, you know, all sorts of things that you're actually not your core business, but you've got to be involved and all of that changes when you become a consultant. You, I, it was, you know, I don't think I'd expected any of that. I don't know how I'd thought that through or not, but it was so good. It actually felt much more controlled in that way and much more relaxed, even though it was kind of terrifying because it was new things to be doing. Not having the noise, the constant background noise of endless other things was a really, really great thing. The other thing that really um, – um, I, the things that I hadn't expected were the 
very kind of core consulting skills and processes. And I really realized that I didn't know what they were at all when I first started. And, um, you know, there's some things that you never do as an employee that you have to now do as a consultant, you know, things like stakeholder uh, consultations and, um, again, you know, managing that client expectation, you know, project management, such a big thing. I'd actually done quite a lot of that, thankfully, beforehand. But there's a whole lot of things you don't do as a as a, an employee necessarily. And I have to say the other thing that I discovered reasonably quickly that I loved about consulting was that you get to finish things. You know, as an employee, you never get to finish anything, especially not in the public sector where I'd really had. You know, there's you know, there's always a million phases of any anything you're doing. There's implementation, and then there's uh, planning the next phase, and then there's an evaluation, and then there's a change to a policy, or the minister wants you know speaking notes on something, or you just kind of never get to finish anything. But as a consultant, you know, I love that. I love that you do a job, you do a really good job, you deliver something to the client, and then you actually walk away. So, you know, it's great. I love it. And, and you get the credit for it, not the damn minister, right? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so let, let me ask you this. A common, common challenge, I think, that a lot of my clients experience when they come from a larger organization like government or a big consulting firm is they go off on their own and they realize a lot of the benefits of doing so, income and, and work-life balance and so on and so forth, and, and the things that you're mentioning as well. But at the same time, that comes often with a little bit of a, a little bit of loneliness, I think, you know, going from a big organization mm. to being mm. on your own. Did you struggle with that at all? Well, I didn't, but, that, but I didn't. I, I, I totally agree with you. That's something that a lot of new consultants face and a lot of the people that I talk to, that's what they're, you know, that's part of what they're struggling with. I didn't face it for a couple of reasons. Firstly, I had Ruth, you know, I had my mentor and the first two projects I did were as a part of her team. She had, you know, the first project I think had three of us on there and the second it was just me and Ruth. But so I kind of didn't immediately experience that, um, you know, that loneliness because I had that. Um, the other aspect for me is because it is often about your personal style. And I am much more on the introvert side of the scale than I am the extrovert side of the scale, as it happens. And so solar consulting suits me, you know. Uh, so, but I totally get the that thing about the isolation. And so after I'd uh, finished, uh, you know, as I said, Ruth and I became consulting colleagues and we could talk to each other. But she's, you know, quite a long time since retired. And... Um, I now have two consulting colleagues that I have a relationship like that with. We're kind of buddies, consulting buddies, and and I, you know, I would not want to do this without them. I think it's really important that you kind of develop those uh, small, close network of people that you can confide in and chew the fat with about your consulting projects. Um, and yes, uh, a lot of people who, who I talk to when they just started out um, do suffer from that isolation. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Somebody comes to you and says, look, Jack, uh, you, you made this leap 18 years ago. Clearly, it's worked out well for you and kudos to you. How do I know if consulting might be the right move for me? Yeah, and it is a question that I get asked a lot. Um, you know, when you're out and about consulting, um, you meet a lot of people who are in employment and, um, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of people who say, can I come and have a coffee with you? Can I pick your brain about, uh, you know, how to consult? What, how, what made you decide? How did you do it? So it's a really common question. And the thing that I um, 
would say to people uh, mostly about that is it's really important that you do a kind of self-audit because cleverware consulting isn't going to be for everybody. Um, and so it's really it's really useful to just do a bit of self-reflection and think about it. And and there's a, two aspects to that. And one is I think you, it, it's about, you know, your experience and your capacity for consulting. Um, so, you know, you know, have you got that breadth of experience? Have you got the credibility in your sector? All those things. It's all about your um, capacity to do. But it's also quite a lot about your personal style and your personal traits because there's a whole lot of things about consulting that are kind of all about that. So, for example, uh, how good are you at operating outside your comfort zone? Because as a consultant, you know, it's a bit like starting a new job every three, four months without a big orientation period. You know, you've got to get in there quickly, get runs on the board quickly. Your client expects you to hit the road running. You know, so how are you about, you know, being outside your comfort zone? And you know, are you a procrastinator? Because you know, you've got to be totally self-disciplined as a consultant. And if you know yourself well enough to know that, you know, if you work from home, you're very unlikely to, um, you know, get distracted into all the endless things that you could, then, you know, consulting is going to be a good move for you. If you think, hey, I really know myself really well, and given the opportunity, I can procrastinate about things forever, then you're really going to have to consulting is a good move for you or not and the other aspect is of course you know what are you like around uncertainty because compared to being in employment there is quite a lot of uncertainty in consulting don't get me wrong I mean I, you know there is a huge amount of benefits but you haven't got a regular fortnightly salary coming in regardless you haven't got guaranteed sick leave you haven't got you know support systems around you in terms of the IT help desk and the HR department and you know there's a whole lot of things that are a bit more uncertain and some people thrive in that and some people know themselves well enough to think oh you know actually that's not going to work for me so yeah I mean I think in reality, you're not going to know until you give it a go, until you step into it, but you can make, you know, a good decision, a, you know, a responsible and informed decision by just doing a bit of a self-audit about those kind of things. So, Jack, I always like to think that everybody is a natural procrastinator like I am, but <laughs> you seem to be saying otherwise, and that's making me uncomfortable. <laughs> Are you saying there are some people out there who always get things done on time? Because... Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> I'm one of them, I have to say. I like, can tell, I, mean, I can not, tell you not are. Not in my personal life, no, <laughs> but in my consulting world, yeah, I mean, you know, my, your relationship to a deadline as a consultant, I think, has to be a pretty solid one. Um, I know that when you're in employment, especially in the public sector, you know, a deadline's a pretty slippery thing, really, um, can change depending on what's going on around. And again, the minister steps in and changes things and all sorts. But I really take my deadlines pretty seriously. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying, trust me, I'm not perfect. And it's not that I never procrastinate, but I take it pretty seriously. And I think that the thing is that when you're in a in a larger environment, when deadlines slip or they move, it's usually not your fault and there's always other people to blame. But one of yeah. the shifts I think consultants have to make is you've got to own that outcome, even if other things happen and they will happen, guaranteed. It'll, yeah. be, it'll be the client, it'll be something else, someone else will, will get in the way, but you've still got to own the deadline and do whatever it takes to meet that deadline. I think that's a big shift that people have to go through. 
Absolutely. And if the deadline is going to shift, because you're absolutely right, they do shift for kind of various reasons and often things at the client end, but you've got to manage the expectations about that deadline shifting as well. Um, Yeah, and that's another thing that, you know, people have to step up to that they're not very familiar with. So, Jack, let's say we're we're having coffee and uh, I ask you that question about whether or not I should become a consultant and you tell me to do the self-audit and I go back and I do it and I say, yeah, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to make that leap. And then, um, you know, a month later, I uh, come back to you for coffee with my new business card that says Mr. Consultant on it. And I say, (laughs) hey, Jack, uh, you know what? uh, What's next? Like, what should I be worried about? What are my what are the challenges I should expect in uh, in my early days as a consultant? Sure. I mean, I think the most common one that every new consultant faces is winning enough business to stay afloat in that first 12 months, really. Um, you know, if you get a lot of people talk about that first 12 months being hard and it is tough. So I think that's one of the biggest challenges. And I think there are a few kind of key factors to that overarching challenge. Um, so the first thing I think is it's all about getting your name out there and onto the radar of potential clients. And I think people struggle with that. Now, I know that, you know, that whole marketing thing is your certainly your area of expertise, Ahmad, rather than mine. And I give some very basic advice to people about what they need to do. But the thing that I see is that a lot of people who are coming out of employment um, into consulting, very uncomfortable to sell yourself. And I'm holding my own hand up here, you know, that doesn't come, it does not come easily to me either. But you absolutely need to leverage your existing network and market yourself if you're going to give it, give it a go, if you're going to make a go of it. Um, and um, I think that that's something that people really struggle with. I think, you know, a lot of people don't, A, they don't know how to do it. So, you know, that they, they've never never prepared a capability statement before, for example. They don't know what it is. They don't know what needs to be on it. Um, You know, they aren't really sure about how to define what consulting services they're going to offer. So, um, you know, it's – and then they make that mistake of saying, oh, well, you know, I've got so many skills. I'm going to be the I-can-do-everything consultant, which makes them really hard for them to stand out from the crowd. So I think that that whole marketing thing and, you know, people tend to stay under the radar and hope that business comes their way. And I think that's, you know – the quickest route to failure really as a consultant you've really got to get out there because of course there's not one of the problems is or the challenges is that consultancy projects are not just advertised willy-nilly you know there's not there's not a clear pathway to figure out where is there a consultancy project out there it's all about you know, being on the list, I've got that in inverted commas, um, the list of potential clients. So when someone um, thinks about, uh, oh, I've got this project and I'm going to get a consultant in, they've got a list in their head of, oh, who are the consultants that I know that could be good at this? You want to be on that list of as many people as possible. And that is going to take getting outside your comfort zone and, um, you know, and actually putting yourself out there. So I think it's a, that's a really big part of winning business. So what I always tell people is there's two numbers you should care most about in your business as a consultant. The first is sales. That's the most important number. The second is conversations. Yeah. Because conversations lead to sales. And if your early days as a new consultant and, you know, sales aren't too good to begin with, then you got to start from somewhere. 
then the metric you should be driving for is new conversations with potential buyers. Because the more conversations that you have, the more you'll get on that list for a larger yeah. number of people and the more opportunities will come your way. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's so true. And I think I used to think that the biggest challenge for new consultants was winning their first project, their first one or two projects. But actually, what I found talking to more and more people is, you see, what happens is a lot of people get their first consulting gig from, you know, people they know in their organization. They might even be in the organization they're leaving or, you know, so they, they leave because they've actually got, they think, all oh, right, someone's prepared to give me a, give me a go here. Now is the time to take the leap. So they, sometimes the first one or two projects are easily come by. You know, there's an opportunity. Someone, you say to the, you know, your your manager, look, I'm actually leaving. I'm going to be consulting, and they figure out something you could come back in and do for them, you know, for the first, you know, two months or something. But then, you know, you're on your own. So often it's after that, you know, and you haven't done the work during those two projects, during that first opportunity to to kind of really put your name out there and really do all those things that about talking to people and getting on that, you know, that elusive list of, you know, good consultants. Yeah. So that, that's the first thing I think. But the other, uh, another really big challenge around winning business in that first year is mastering the, the skill and the art of consultancy proposals. Uh, because once you get on that list and you've got an opportunity to bid for a project, winning that bid will depend on the quality of your consultancy proposal in a competitive environment. So, you know, I've seen many new consultants over the years falter at that stage just because their proposals are really poor quality. And it's not surprising because they've never done them before, you know, but you have got to nail that consultancy proposal and there is an art and a craft to it. Um, so I think that's a, another really big hurdle for people. You mentioned something about uh, people coming in as kind of a generalist trying to do everything and not being able to get attention. I, I find this is a common challenge, especially with people coming from larger firms mm-hmm. or, or, or government or a larger kind of more bureaucratic environment where you probably do a whole lot of things, right? And I'm sure in your previous career in public health, you probably did 10, 15, mm. 20 different things. How do you recommend people find that area of specialization that they can focus on and make a name for themselves? Yeah, I think it's um, it's really it, it can be really hard for people. And 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 what I say to people is that I think there's three things to take into account in that. The first thing is, now it seems obvious, but what are you really good at? I don't mean what are you good at. I mean what are you really good at? What do you excel at? What are you the go-to person for? You know, in your organisation or in your previous employment situations, what do people you know tell you that you're really good at? So that's the stuff that you should really, really hone in on. That's the first thing. Now the second thing is you've got an opportunity here. You're not in an employment situation where you have to do kind of what you're told, what your role describes. What is it that you love doing? You know, focus your business around that. What is it that you really, really love doing of all the things that you're good at? So what are you really excelling at? What do you love doing? And the third thing, really important, what is there in the marketplace? What, what, What work is there in the marketplace? for, you know, the kind of consultancy that in in the sector that you're going to consult in. It's critical because I see people who 
do the opposite. They kind of niche down into something that they love doing, something that they, um, uh, they're really good at. But when I say to them, so is that something that, you know, there's a lot of work in the marketplace that you know? And they say, oh, no, not really, but I'd like to build that. And I think, well, you know, you've been in the, you've been in the other side. You've been an employer in your sector. You know what they get consultants in to do. You really must focus it on, is there going to be a market for that? So all those things, I mean, it can be take a little while to figure that out, you know. Um, and over the years, I've shifted some of the things I do uh, in in reflection of those questions. So a good example for me is strategic planning. So I'm good at it, but I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I don't excel at it. I've certainly done it over the years for organisations, but I think there are people who do it better than me. So I don't think it's one of the things I really excel at. Also, I really don't like doing it. You know, it's it's not one of the things that floats my boat. So I don't do that anymore. So um, you know, I've done it a few times, and um, yes, you can get work doing it, but it's the balance of those three questions for me about, you know, that that will help you decide what is it that you should be selling. You know, what services are you going to put out there that clients can buy from you? Yeah, I mean, it's a real challenge for people that have varied interests and capabilities to be able to, to find that kind of focus. But I, I think what you said is is spot on. I had a call the other day with somebody who is in, in, uh, they're thinking about making that leap from employee to consultant, not typically the kind of person I work with, that's more your forte. Um, and, we, and we were chatting and one of the things I said to him was, go and talk to 10 people that are in a buying position right now from your network before you even make the leap. Mm. Go and have those yeah. 10 conversations, find out what they're struggling with, with regards to the work that you could possibly do and validate that there's actually a need for the thing that you think you want to sell. Because I yeah. think my hunch is, and you would know better, my hunch is a lot of people, they leave their jobs, they hang out their shingle, you know, maybe with that one or two, one or two engagements under their belt from a previous employer or a relationship. And they think, well, if one person needs this, everybody must needs this. But that's not always the case, is it? It's not always the case at all. And, um, and you do, you're right. That is exactly what people should should know about. That should also be what they're kind of at there in their sort of research, their market research. Is it that that clients buy in this space that I'm going to be working in? Absolutely. So, so Jack, fast forward now, and let's say I've uh, you know I've taken your advice, and um, we're we're back for coffee again three months later, and I've got, you know, I've got three to five clients because you told me to sell and sell and sell. So I kept selling and selling and selling. And now, uh, and now I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I've got all this work to do. What are, uh, what are, what's some advice you can share with me on how to, to do a better job of delivering this consulting work? Mm. Yeah, good question. And, you know, one of the mistakes I see a lot of people make is actually not realizing that there's a learning curve here. Um, you know, people step out of a solid career, you know, they, they come to consulting with, you know, a stellar career behind them. They bring a ton of skills, experience, knowledge, but consultancy is a whole different ball game, and there is a big learning curve. And a lot of people get caught out by this, you know. They know what they know they've got what it takes, or they think they've got what it takes to be a good consultant, but they launch in and they fairly quickly find themselves out of their depth because, as I said, there are these core consulting skills that you've got to get on top of. So there's a few kind of common mistakes, I think, that people make uh, when they, you know, in their first few projects. And the first one is um, underquoting 
And, you know, that can just sound like all oh, that's to do with the finance, but it's to do with the whole as well. So, you know, it goes back to that thing of they've never put a consultancy proposal together before. So they might have nailed all the other aspects of it because the client's given them the job, but they're quoting the, you know, the, the, the actual cost that they've put to the project has not been thought through. They didn't really know how to do it, et cetera. You know, I had a conversation with someone um, a few weeks ago who um, had was just putting in her first consultancy proposal and she asked me if I'd take a look at it and I said, sure. And so she sent it to me and when I had a talk with her and said, so tell me how you came by, you know, the number of days that you, you know, she said, oh, I just kind of made it up really, I guessed. And it's like, well, you cannot do that. You know, that's, that is just because I could see that her, she was way under quoting on, on, you know, the task at hand. And so people really make that mistake of just not taking that seriously enough, not spending enough time on figuring it out. How do you do a quote for a consultancy proposal? And so, of course, once you've underquoted, then the big mistake is is um, the big thing that happens, the big challenge is um, managing the scope of the project. You know, within that budget, you're doing way more time than you, you envisage. You can't really, you don't really feel you can go back and negotiate with the client. So people get really stung, I think, by that. It's that whole thing you said before, you know, people think, well, you know, it's um, – it's really good. Consulting is really good money and it's, you know, not as much work as employment. And then they do their first few projects and they find they're working, you know, days and days and days are not paid because they have underquoted and underestimated what the project was going to take. So I think that's a really big part of the learning curve is, is that aspect. Yeah, I think what people don't realize is a lot of consulting projects, even at the bigger firms, actually lose money. It's not like consulting is just some like guaranteed moneymaker, right? If you don't structure the proposal properly, if you don't quote properly, if you don't have a process of managing scope and and the time that you're putting in, you could lose money on a consulting project. It's very possible. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. That's a very, it's very possible. And it happens to people all the time. They've, you know, they're actually earning less than they were in employment um, because, uh, you know, they haven't scoped, they haven't quoted properly. They haven't learned that core consulting skill of how to quote for a project. And the other thing that goes along with that, um, you know, is that whole thing about managing the client expectations and a lot of people kind of really don't understand that aspect of consulting and that's a real challenge and a mistake that they make so you know that the whole consultant client relationship is really quite unique and it actually takes a bit of time to figure out you know the characteristics of that relationship and the rules of engagement around this this new relationship because it isn't like like relationships you've had um you know you need to be a close confidant to your client, but you also need to remain at arm's length. You know, you're you're an independent consultant. You know, you report to them, but you're also independent. And, you know, you really have to manage their expectations all the time, right from, and in fact, not just from the start of a project, that I think that, you know, you begin managing a client's expectations when they are a potential client before you've even won the project. And you do that in your consultancy proposal and in the conversations you have with them. But I think people step into consulting and they really don't understand what that relationship is, so they falter around it. Yeah, that, that's so interesting and so important. I think the mistake that I see here as well is 
people think that, you know, you just have to get along with your client. You mm. got to have a good relationship. You got to be like friends. And if you're like friends, everything goes well. But quite often that can that can blow up in your face, can't it? Oh, it sure can. I mean, you really can't be friends with your client. I mean, I have a few, uh, you know, you know what I call my favorite clients, <laughs> you know, people who've used me on and off over the years and, and, you know, people I really respect and have worked well with. And, and you know, I've, you become a bit closer to those, uh, but I still wouldn't call them, I still wouldn't have that kind of relationship with them. You know, I'm not going to just meet them for coffee and lunch and things like that. I mean, I meet them for coffee around, you know, with a bit of distance, but it's not that relationship. You have to be, you have to, you have to understand what that relationship is all about and the balance of managing expectations whilst remaining independent and giving higher levels sometimes, you know, unwelcome advice you know, unwelcome in the sense that sometimes your findings are not what the client wants to hear about a project. And you have to be able to deliver those findings. Um, and if you've kind of been, you know, been mates with your client, that's a very difficult thing to do. And it's kind of can become a bit untenable. So yeah, I think it's, um, it's a tricky relationship. Yeah. And I think it can be done. I mean, I'm thinking about some of my relationships. I mean, I definitely have clients where we are personal friends, and often that friendship predates the client relationship. Mm. Uh, and it can work as long as you're, you and the client are disciplined enough to be able to draw those lines very clearly. There's a friendship. There's a, there's a personal relationship. Yes. And then there's a client relationship. And, and I'm, I'm thinking back to some conversations where, frankly, we go back and forth within the same conversation, right? We'll be talking as friends on the phone and then, hey, by the way, <laughs> yeah. did you see this this thing I sent over? Because we got to deal with that. And then all of a sudden we'll shift to work. And, you know, if if you and the client are able to kind of balance that, the dynamics of that, it's okay. But I, I agree with you. It's it's dangerous territory, and you know you don't necessarily have to be friends with your client. That's not um, that's not going to make no. your life any easier. And no, and especially at the beginning. I mean, you know, if you're once you get experience under your belt, those kind of you know crossing of boundaries are much easier to manage. But when you first start out, and they say that's another trip for um, uh, new consultants is again because they often get their first gig from someone they know. It might even be a previous boss or something like that. You know, they're sort of stepping into this new relationship on the back of an existing and, and previous relationship. And that can be quite tricky for them to then figure out the neutral territory around that. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. I think you've got to really be comfortable in your own skin as a consultant and as an expert to be able to navigate those kinds of relationships. Yeah. Jack, yeah. I know we've, we've covered a lot of ground on how to make that leap from employee to consultant and some of the pitfalls to avoid along the way. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you think is important to mention? One of the things that I think is really important is that one of the things that happens is that I think people uh, fail in consulting, not because they're not capable of doing a good job just because they don't know how to. And so they actually fail to deliver on the on the expectations of the project because they haven't taken that learning curve. They haven't, you know, they haven't sort of mastered those core consulting skills. And so the thing about being a, a success as a consultant is, you, yes, you can get your first few projects on the back of, you know, your previous career, leveraging what you've done, but you absolutely have to do a really good job 
of your first few projects or maybe you don't do a good job of your first couple but you have to do a better job of the ones after that and then slowly working up to becoming an excellent consultant because that is what your reputation is going to be built on you might get your first couple of jobs based on your past career but not beyond that you have to do a good job and that involves being on a learning curve committing to that and, um, and you know and and being prepared to learn from your mistakes or avoid some of the pitfalls and and um, put the time and the effort in to becoming a good consultant rather than thinking it's just going to happen automatically uh, well consultants get results and if you're not comfortable getting results go go back and get a job that's what I say <laughs> yeah. it's a bit harsh yeah. but uh, it's the truth <laughs> yeah yeah. Jack, this, this has been amazing. I know you do a lot of great work in helping people make this leap from employee to solo consultant. Tell us a little bit more about how that works. So, you know, because of all those coffees that people, you know, people stopping me to ask, you know, can I have a coffee with you? Can I ask you, can I pick your brain? Because I'm thinking of doing this. Because of all that, you know, a few years ago, I kind of thought, really, there's something missing in the marketplace or, you know, where do people go to get this kind of information? And consulting can be such a closed shop. You probably know this too, you know. it's it, People can be really guarded about, you know, the, the how-to of consulting. It's a bit mysterious. And because it's competitive, you don't want to give your secrets away. So I really thought there was this gap in the market. And the first thing I did was I actually, I actually wrote a book and at the time that I wrote the book, I thought this was a huge undertaking. It felt enormous thing to do, but I did do it. And, and, and I've produced this book and it's been incredibly well received. But in the process of writing the book, I realized there was so much more. And there is a real gap in the market for uh, people to find the support and the resources that they need to consult. And I'm not, I'm not really talking about marketing. I'm talking about how to like what is this thing called consulting and how do you do it you know what are all these things how do you put a proposal together how do you run a stakeholder consultation process how do you develop findings from doing all the analysis of the things you've there's a whole lot of core consulting skills that if you look difficult to find you know information and tools to help you kind of on that learning curve and so so then i embarked on something that was much bigger which was to put together an online program masterclass which is kind of like my flagship thinking about making that transition so yeah book felt big big enough you know it's been a great success and and had fantastic feedback so yeah excellent we're gonna definitely drop a link in the show notes to this episode where people can learn more about that um, Jack, is there uh, any place you want people to go in particular if they want to learn more from you or, or look you up? Yeah, you can go to my website because my website has a ton of free resources on it. Um, if you're considering consulting or, you know, there's a ton of things to download and a free video series, all sorts of things. So it's just jackhackettconsulting.com and it's Jack with a Q, J-A-C-Q, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, consulting. So, yeah, you can find me pretty easily and, or connect with me on LinkedIn and, um, you know, I'd be happy to send you uh, in the right direction to get some tips and tricks about making that transition more successfully. Excellent. And I know it's, it's a scary move to make to go from employee to consultant in those first year. The first few years are, are you know, turbulent times, but I certainly feel more comfortable knowing that people like you, Jack, are, are at the helm and helping people make that transition. So thank you so much for that. Oh, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. And thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it. It's been great. It's been really good to talk to you, Ahmad. Take care. 
Hey, it's Ahmed here again. Before I let you go, there are two things I want you to do. The first is, if you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play by visiting forecast.fm and clicking on the relevant link. While you're at it, please do leave us a rating or a review because it helps more people discover the show. The second thing is I want you to grab my free course on the five P's of lead generation for professional services firms. Inside the course, you will get a step-by-step framework to help you generate a flood of new business for your firm. The course is 100% free of charge and you can get immediate access at 5leadgen.com and you can spell out five or use the number either one works. That's 5leadgen.com. Thanks for listening.